You're listening to a podcast from Capital 100.4 FM. You are indeed tuned in to Start Up Capital on Capitalk 100.4 FM. And this morning, exciting, exciting program coming your way where we interact with our government. And I'm very happy to be joined remotely this morning on the line by the Permanent Secretary in the Ministry of Information, Publicity and Broadcasting Services, who is Mr. Nick Mangwana. Good morning to you and welcome. I'm so excited for the first edition of this program. Welcome to Cappy Talk. Thank you, Rumbi, um, and thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. So, um, this is our inaugural program, and we are wanting to set the tone. This is where government interacts with you, our listeners, as well, and with a representative uh, of uh, the Ministry of Information in the form of uh, the Permanent Secretary. Um, so, first of all, um, Mr. P- uh, Mr. Mangwana, thank you so much for affording us time to host you, and we do hope that we can interact with you and have fruitful deliberations with the government. So do I hope, Jerome, um, and thank you for having me. I'm really looking forward to this series. Wonderful. And to our listeners, your input is very welcome. Please do send your contributions to the WhatsApp number 0719100404. And I'm very sure that Mr. Mangwana will be more than happy to field your questions. Let's jump straight into it um, and start fairly simple, but from a very important standpoint. Can you kindly share with our listeners the intentions of President Emerson Munangago's government when we look at an overview of the welfare of Zimbabwean citizens? So basically, the vision in a nutshell is for us to be so prosperous that every Zimbabwean by the year 2030 must be of an income range which is between 4,500 something to 10,000 in between there, which defines an upper middle income status. So everything that we are doing right now is a building block towards that vision. President Mnangagwa recognizes that Zimbabwe lagged behind its contemporaries within the region in terms of development due to, obviously, a a myriad of um, reasons, but um, top of which were the sanctions issue, the sanctions issue. So because of that, you would find that in almost every one of his speeches, he talks of uh, leapfrogging in our industrialization effort. Leapfrogging, leapfrogging. It means that we have to jump like a frog so that we can catch up with others and even surpass them. And we are driving towards that vision. As you may recall that um, up to now, at this point, Zimbabwe is the only country with such an anticipated and projected economic growth this year. So one would say the leapfrogging has started. And to what extent then um, can we say that these pledges are being honored um, when it comes to the general populace? Um, You talk about the leapfrogging. Can this be brought into being? Uh, And what have been some of the notable wins that you can share with our listeners? Well, you see, when you are coming from a period when you that you were in a pit and you are climbing from a pit to an area where you start building upwards, the translation of your progress may not be automatically felt by the citizenry, uh, but when it comes to the progress itself, there is a massive progress. 
I think uh, the TSP, the Transitional Stabilization Program, whose job was to make sure that things were stable in this country and then we start building on, on not-so-shaky ground, uh, was the most successful uh, blueprint produced in this country since 1980. We have had so many blueprints that have been uh, produced, but none has, had been so successful in implementation like the TSP. And the TSP became the foundation on which we are building the national development agenda of the country, which has been divided, obviously, into two phases of national development strategy, one and two. One, The first one, which we are in right now, which will take us to 2025, and the other one, which will take us to 2030. So, Zimbabwe is one of those countries in the world that has managed ever to de-dollarize, rather to introduce its own currency after a period of dollarization. And that was meant to bring stability. And there is stability. One of the uh, evidence of the stability is actually on the inflation rate. Yes, it's not ideal. It's not where it's supposed to be. It's not where we are going. But you can see it's dropping down massively at an exponential rate. That is a big-time achievement. Now you can actually keep your money in the bank or wherever you want to keep it and go and buy things tomorrow, which, which price wouldn't have changed as radically as it used to be. We were in a period before where civil servants never knew when the next pay was coming. It had to be a big announcement when your next salary is, is going to come. But we're in a period right now where my current salary, sorry, my current pay slip tells me when I'm going to get my next salary. That's stability. That's presentability. You can plan your life on that stability and predictability. Every service in the country is predictable. Again, stability. You, when you look around the country, you see infrastructural development. You see the enablers to economic development. Those things, again, they speak of employment on one end because every, every infrastructure project, that's how they employ people. And has a downstream uh, knock-on effect on economic activity. So I would say the evidence is really there for all to see. The detoxification of our politics, yes, we still remain polarized to a great extent. But if you check what's being done, yes, people can see some um, contradictions between the local authorities and the central government. But what people would never doubt is that the central government is investing in local authorities. It's not walking, uh, walking away from a responsibility and say, well, you voted uh, in, in opposition council. Now we're going to walk away from you and you will see what they will deliver for, for you, which will be zero. But no, the central government is investing in local authorities, improving lives to an extent where the central government is actually putting out traffic lights, um, security lights, floodlights at night in order to preserve the lives and security of citizens and improve their quality of life. This is the trajectory the government has taken. And you can see we are in the right direction. What would you have to say then to, I suppose, a school of thought or you know, a certain constituent that says, oh, this stability is fragile, and also looking at the blueprints that uh, you spoke about, the NDS-1, you talked about the TSP. There have been other strategies in the past, like Zim Asset, that did not achieve the desired results and arguably failed. Yeah, 
Well, these were not in the Second Republic, were they? I have said before, judge us by our history. The East first history, TSP, it has been successful. So you can't draw me back to the First Republic and say that one was not successful because the, the trajectory was completely different. Now let's start with the TSP. Was the TSP successful? Yes, by a long mile. Does, um, is the NDA going to be successful? Yes. Why? Because every institution of note which is out there even agrees with us. Every institution out there, World Bank, IMF, they agree that Zimbabwe is on a growth trajectory. And when we say about growth, growth is development. So, yes, this will be successful because every measure is indicating the same. And by the history of an, a, a, a short period, TSB, which has been successful, yes, we're on the right pathway. And we're going to be successful. <clears throat> and you can't be judged by Zim Asset or Zim Prest or whatever blueprint that has existed in the past that was not in the Second Republic. Well, uh, so the sins of the father will not be visited upon his sons. And I will invite... That's one of the most unjust laws that comes that came out of the Bible, I think. I think there's a few. I think, I think there's a few other laws. To punish, the, to visit the sins of the uh, fathers upon the sons, come on. It doesn't work like that. All right, well... Men shall be judged by their own personality. by their own actions. All right. Yes, now I yes. want to invite some uh, some uh, some feedback um, from some sure. of uh, our listeners. And I did say, you know, and I always like having conversations with you, Mr. Mangwana, because you're always happy to interact with the people. Um, yes. A couple of questions that have come through here. Maybe let sure. me. Um, this one is COVID related. Um, yes. It's somebody who says, "Thank you so much for bringing a permanent secretary." My question is, when are we going to have original COVID cards? <laughs> Since we were given temporary cards, this is coming from Father T in Highfield. The the cabinet um, has said that um, Fidelis must print new cards with watermarks and other security features. These have been printed and are being distributed um, across the country. Um, Mine hasn't been, my old one, because I was one of the first to go out there, has not been replaced yet. But I think the approach which the government has taken is that, um, firstly, let's start using the new cards. And then we would go, would roll back and correct the ones and replace the old ones. But for now, we are phasing the old ones um, in as far as the new um, the, the, the new people that are being vaccinated is concerned. Then, obviously, we would remove the old ones. But now nobody has had the old ones replaced yet. But uh, we all know that when you are now visiting certain countries, these vaccination cards are acting as vaccination passports. And you would want to travel around with one which nobody doubts. And I'm one of those people who would want to travel around with a card that has got all the security features. I would like to promise our caller, that our, our contributor, that it's all in hand. Government will be do, is acting on it. Thank you so much. I'm also looking forward to to having uh, you know a card with all of the the watermarks and all of that on there. Um, another question coming your way, Mr. Mangwana from Vincent um, says, "Morning. Thank you for bringing the government spokesman to clarify national issues. Can the permanent secretary update us on privatization and parastatal reform in the urban local authorities? That's one area that's lagging behind, according to targets that we see." I missed a bit of what Vincent said. Can the privatization of the what? Uh, uh, on privatization and parastatal reform, and then he ah, goes on I to see. say and rot in urban local authorities. 
that's um, that's a very wide um, ranging subject, which probably should be a, sub, um, a subject of a show on its own, um, because I would need to go, you know, parastatal by parastatal. But let me try to summarize it by saying, in the state enterprises and parastatal reform agenda, we have parastatals that are going to be partially that are being partially privatized. Then we are going to have we have some which are being wholly privatized. Then we have others which will be um, capacitated and remain in in um, in state hands. So I have to go parastatal by parastatal so that you would understand. For example, I would say net one um, is going to be partially privatized. Now I would need to say. Where are we with that partial privatization? Then I'll go to the next, and I'll say Broadcasting Authority of Zimbabwe is supposed to be merged with the Potras, and then I have to go to where we are. But let me give a summary, considering the time we have for this program, um, by simply saying there is an implementation matrix on each and every parastatal's fate. So which, as I said, if we subject ourselves to a whole program where we are going to update the nation on where we are with each and every parastatal or state enterprise, that will be probably a better approach. Um, that's that's my take. Uh, and, uh, I, hope, I hope I've done justice to Vincent's question. Uh, well, I hope so too, but I, I do know that we will be having you on every single Wednesday between this, tam- uh, this same time slot, and we will then endeavor to get all the questions answered in that slot. I'm seeing our time, and I'm seeing that it's fast run away, but before I let you go... Please, let's finish up with the contested issue. The buying of cars for the political actors' dialogue members, Paulette. Some say that it's compromised the concept of loyal opposition. What's your take on this in closing? I think people are forgetting that we actually have a law uh, that's called um, uh, Political Parties Finance Act. What, what (laughs) What that does is to finance political parties which have reached a certain threshold. So by the essence of having such a law, it means that the opposition in Zimbabwe is funded by government. It's as simple as that. The opposition in Zimbabwe is funded by government. And then we also have a law, the law um, forbids foreign, foreigners from funding our politics and no external funding to activities. So if you a political party should generate its own income from Zimbabwe and also should be funded by government if it's a no position part of not so i when when the other political parties were getting 7 million 20 million 27 million nobody was complaining people are complaining because it's now polite which are which is being capacitated by being given resources so i don't think we have deviated from the normal um operation that political parties and the activities in zimbabwe should be funded by government it does not mean that the government is capturing them, because otherwise Chamisa, who, Mr. Chamisa, who at some point also got a political fund, uh, funding, just before elections, actually, in 2018, we, we was captured by government. Mr. Monzora, who has got political funding, from, was captured by government. Mr. Changirai, who for many, many, many years was getting funding from government, was captured by government. So, it's by the same vein that we were funding, the government was funding all these political parties and activities that Poland is funded by government. And it's not compromised because otherwise every political player I've mentioned was compromised. 
Thank you so much for being with us this morning. You were right that 15 minutes went by like nothing. <laughs> there are so many issues to discuss, but we do look forward to interacting with you more next week, same time. There are many questions even around passports and so on. We will endeavor to answer and speak to all of the Zimbabweans listening. Thank you, Ruby, for having me. And what a, a pleasure. You have a good morning as well. Stay safe. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Well, there we have it. That's uh, the Permanent Secretary in the Ministry of Information, Publicity and Broadcasting Services. He will be back every single Wednesday on this program, 8.30 to 8.45, discussing your issues. He is the government's mouthpiece, and this program is called Interactive Government. We need to actually bring life to the listening aspect of the Second Republic, and you do have an opportunity to send all those questions because you do need answers and we do promise that we will field all of those questions and ensure that they are answered thank you so much to mr nick mangwana for being with us this morning and he will be with us every single wednesday morning 8 30 to 8 45 going forward